Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today we're discussing entrepreneurship, innovation, and here we are at the Harvard Innovation Lab discussing the Florida Virtual School with its founder and president, Julie Young. Welcome to the EdCast. Thank you. So Julie, the Florida Virtual School, which people may or may not have heard about, started in 1996. When I think of virtual and online learning, I think that's a new thing now, and it's 2014. 1996, the internet is new, and here you are pioneering virtual education. T take us back to the, to the mid-90s when you started this venture. Well, first of all, I, I want to always say that the idea, the original idea, came from a classroom teacher in Orange County Public Schools who created a two-page concept paper of which I had the blessed opportunity to come in and execute. When you go back to 1996 and you think about developing something like a virtual school, you're dealing with an incredibly primitive environment. So the courses, uh, everything was on dial-up, and laptops were kind of like a really... Um, uh, interesting thing, you know, if you had a laptop, you were really special. And they weighed 80 pounds. They weighed 80 pounds. Uh, a few people had cell phones at the time. They were large. And if when we created our courses at the time, they were primarily text-based with a little bit of clip art, if you were lucky. And I always share with people, if you think about that time, that was the, f the year that the Palm Pilot the first Palm Pilot was released. So people are going to have to probably Google that. Ago. Some of our listeners may not even know what that is. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So um, really, at that point in time, you know, there were there there wasn't uh, you couldn't text. Email was primitive. Learning management systems were extremely primitive. People were building their own at the time. So your communication, primarily with kids and parents, it was you you spent a lot of time on the phone. There's we a there's a quote of you saying, there's no rules, no roadmap to follow. I mean, how do you write those rules? We, my goal was to think about, okay, knowing what I know about education today and having the opportunity to use this incredible medium, uh, if we were going to reinvent education and put the student at the center of our decisions rather than adult schedules and buildings and calendars, what would it look like? So it was really all about um, saying what's best for kids. And if we did it differently, what would it look like? And what do we currently do that we should just do uh, better or, or the same? So the, what drove us in our decisions as to how Florida Virtual School um, began to be developed was really that student and how students learn and what wasn't working in the traditional schools and what we could change and what we could add because we had this medium. I think our listeners are probably interested in what student you are appealing to. I mean, Florida Virtual Schools, are it's a unique model, and it's probably for a unique type of student. Uh, who is enrolled in Florida Virtual Schools? Every kind of student you could possibly imagine is enrolled at Florida Virtual School. When we started in 1997, it was much more attractive to high-achieving students and parents of high-achieving students and um, actually school administrators of high-achieving students were more likely to allow their students to take the courses um, without concern that what could go wrong. Nowadays, um, we have students who are 
repeating courses and uh, or struggling kids who have learning challenges uh, that are that are really excelling in this environment we have accelerated students we have students who are ill have terminal cancer have ADHD have autism have uh, you name it any type of, of, of health challenge we also have students who are um, athletes and and uh, entertainers and entrepreneurs. Uh, one of our students actually was recently on the Ellen Show. Her name is Willow. And uh, she started at the age of, um, I believe it was 13, it might have been 14, buying houses. And uh, she goes around and picks up people's garbage in the morning and then puts it on Craigslist, sells it, and then she invests in real estate. She is an amazing young lady to speak to. Um, Allie Raisman from the U.S. Olympic team was one of our global students. And then we have kids who are in traditional schools that um, simply want a course they, that isn't offered in their school that they can avail themselves to, or they have a scheduling conflict. So uh, band and algebra one are at the same time, and they want to do them both. We also appeal to homeschool families and have about 25% of our population are homeschool families who take somewhere in the neighborhood of a couple of courses at a time. So it's the full spectrum. It's full not part-time, it's full-time, part it's, full it's not just specific to Florida, it's global. It, it seems to cover the, the full suite of, of all, all types of students, all types of ages. Yes. Uh, Julie, quick question. How much, how much does the technology inform the pedagogy and over the time? You know, technology has evolved from where you were in 96 to where you are now. I'm curious, the, the user experience and how much when something new comes out, when technologically speaking, how, how the course is structured, how it's framed, how the professor, the teacher's involved, and then how much of that is technology-based? So again, going back to 1996, when we hired uh, teachers, they had to know they had to be developers and teachers at the same time. And uh, but we really focused on teachers who came to us with really strong teaching abilities and skills, who were willing to learn the technology, knowing we were going to have to teach them the technology. So at the time, we really did have to teach the technology as well as how do you develop and teach a course in this environment. Same thing for kids. We would have kids sign up who really didn't understand how to use a mouse. Nowadays, fast forward 17 years, um, in the process, uh, in the interview process, we learn um, what skills that a, p a potential teacher for us has and where those skills may be lacking and whether or not we feel as though um, we can make those skills up in the time that we have to, to make them up. The kids are much more adaptable now as well. So um, we can introduce a new tool fairly easily now with a uh, little virtual explanation or orientation without too much trouble both on the teaching side and on the student side. Um, we still have those times with particular, you know, where, where it's a struggle for some of the students or the teachers. Um, but for the most part, the student user, once they get in, it's really self-explanatory and, and they can figure it out almost on their own. Um, teachers have more systems of which they have to operate in. And uh, so they have a little bit, 
higher learning curve sometimes. So some people probably listening are going, okay, I get the academic side of things to take the course to learn from it. And then when people think about education, they think about the sort of non-academic components to the social side of things. And I, I think they'd probably be interested, okay, what does a virtual graduation look like? And study hall and making friends and connecting with communities. Uh, explain what you guys have done with that. So it's funny that you say that um, in that way and you called out a virtual graduation in study hall. We have live graduation, and we have, uh, and we do have study hall. Um, we actually had a group of middle school teachers for a while. I'm not sure if they're still doing it. Who on Friday actually did virtual recess, where the kids would come in and they would play Pictionary and charades and whatever they could play in an online meeting room, kind of kind of a deal. Um, our graduation actually, the kids come in. And we have a, you know, full cap and gown. Parents are invited, reception, the whole nine yards. And, um, and study hall is such that we have many teachers who do that where they just have a time where kids can pop in and ask them questions or work with other students or get help with a project. We also have 18 clubs that we offer to our students. Things like, they're all academic, so things like a chess club, um, an honor society, we have a Shakespeare festival, we have a, a, a creative arts club, and kids actually come into those clubs, they assume leadership roles, they have activities and projects they do together, and once a year we actually invite all of our club students in for a face-to-face, -face, and you would be surprised how many of their parents bring them. Last year I think we had over 200 students that came. And this, they, is, this is to Orlando. They came to Orlando, and it's fascinating to watch the kids because the kids will get a name tag and they'll come in the room and all of a sudden they'll see somebody that is their friend online and it's like they just they're just they hug each other and they like oh I know you yeah. and or you don't look like your profile you pic don't look like your picture <laughs> um, but I also think it's always really important to point out that um, there's an assumption that that your brain automatically goes to it's it's either virtual or traditional most students are choosing both. They're either doing self-blended, where they're doing some courses at school, and they're doing some at home, or they have a blended learning environment at the school. It's a small population of kids that are choosing to do 100% of their courses virtual, including homeschooled families. Homeschooled families take, as I mentioned, on average about two courses at a time because their families are homeschooling them because they love to teach in motion. And that's the future of blended learning is certainly a mm -hmm. model that everyone's using everywhere. So we've looked at 1996 and we've looked at 2014. You got you to gotta let us know what, what's 2030, 2040 look like for Florida virtual schools? Well, you know, it, uh, the, one of the greatest challenges and the greatest opportunities has been over the years to continue to evolve and uh, be where the kids are. And so we have kids who actually participate in the development of our courses. Um, we have kids who um, uh, work with us as peer tutors. We have kids who participate in our interviews for our teachers. So where kids go, we will go. If we look at 20, uh, 2030, first of all, in Florida, there's going to be a huge population increase by that time of, of students. We're expecting a huge growth in students by that time. I think we're going to see opportunities for MOOCs. Um, massive open online courses where you can have lots of kids coming into a course um, with less teacher touch, but lots of learning opportunities of which they could avail themselves to. Are you guys currently capped in terms of course enrollment? We are not capped at this time. And so 
Um, at any given time, we have approximately 150,000 active student enrollments. Um, that could be kids taking multiple courses. So we kind of look at 150,000 is probably somewhere in about uh, at about 80,000 individual students. Last year, we completed 460,000 half-credit enrollments, and that amounted to 212,000 students in Florida. That doesn't count students around the globe in our global school. Um, but I think what we're going to see is, is the technology is going to blow us away by 2030, 20, and kids are going to be able to take virtual field trips and feel like they are actually in those areas of Using the country. Using Google Glass. They're going to use Google Glass. You're going to see holograms. You're going to be able to bring experts into the courses um, very, very easily. Kids are going to be able Skype to, from Mars. to do almost everything they need to do from whatever digital device, whatever mobile device that they have, whereas now that's still a challenge. Um, and we're not going to talk about virtual learning in 2030 like it's something different. It's just going to be part of learning. It's kind of like in 1996. Oh, do you have the internet? Like that was a big right. deal. Now, you know, we, we assume it's ubiquity. Uh, Julie, where can people find out more about the Florida Virtual School, their website, or if they were interested in taking courses or learning more about the pedagogy? Absolutely. Um, www.flvs.net is our website and if you are in Florida it will it will uh, uh, take you to those Florida offerings if you are out of Florida or anywhere around the globe go to the global school go to FLVS global and it will show you the offerings that we have there on a, a tuition or a four fee basis next time you're in Orlando skip Epcot for a day and go visit the Florida virtual school Julie Young thank you for being on the EdCast today thank you so much for having me this has been the Harvard EdCast a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education I'm your host Matt Weber thank you kindly for listening The Harvard Graduate School of Education, working at the nexus of practice, policy, and research.